Okay, so we're doing uh, the topic tonight is I didn't realize thing on the parsha, so we're doing a Nagata idea in Chul and Samach of an Aleph. It's called Adam's Shar. Okay? Adam's Shar. What is Shar? Shar is a bull. Right? I translate that. I'm not good with the animal name translations, but I think it's a bull. Okay. Okay, so it says like this. So there's an interesting thing is uh, I'm not sure how far we'll get. I, I really didn't work out so much on this, but I have some thoughts. And I also did a Rashba that talks about it. And, you know, it's a little different. It's interesting to compare the way that I, I'm approaching this type of Agatha and to see how the Rashba approaches it. It's like a totally different way. And, you know, that's interesting. So um, it says like this. It's in Chul enough Samach of an Aleph. It's not that long of a Gemara, but it says like this. I'm going to review it. There's a parallel Gemara, I think, in uh, Vodzar. So it says, Shor Shehikar Rishon. So the Shor, the bull that Adam Rishon brought as a carbon, I think. Okay? Seems like as a carbon. The Shor. Karen Achas Haisa Lobe Mitzvah. It had one horn on its forehead. Like a unicorn type of thing, right? But it's a but it's a cow, not a horse. The ball, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Okay, unicorn <laughs> on its forehead, which I guess is kind of where unicorns have them. Yeah, that's one of the ones. Okay. Right, Shneimar, how do we know? And it will be greater to Hashem, will be good to Hashem, Mishor Par, from a shore, like a bull cow. Right. or no, bull, a bull I think is older and a par is like younger. Like I think a bull, what do they call it? Bull. An ox. An ox, it's like a younger, younger bull. The ox was like a a bull, uh, better than it will say. The sure par. So we'll see. It's like or is it, um, it, it a male female? Yeah. No, I don't think it's. I think it's the older and the younger one. We'll see. Okay. So it's a sure par. I think actually it's explained. So it's like a sure par. Yeah. Sure is like the day that it's born. It's called a. Um, uh, it's a shar. It's born as a shar, and then when it gets older, it becomes a par. Okay. It gets big. All right, one day it's called the uh, shore. Fine. Par is like three of the years old. Okay, fine. So it's, uh, it'll be better. I think some of his tefillah will be better to Hashem than a shore par. Okay, than a bull, ox. I don't know how you translate these words, whatever. The older one. Yeah, the older one. Yeah. One makrin mafis with like horns and like hooks. Okay, so what does that mean? So makrin, so it's like a sharp par, makrin, makrin mafras. So makrin, tardi mashma. So it says makrin, sounds like it means it has horns. Horns are two horns. Where do you get one horn from? So it says, amaravnathman mi karen, except it writes makrin without a vav, without a yud. Makrin should be mem kuf, kuf, reish, yud nun. But it says like mikaren without without it. It's not spelled with the yod, so it could be read like one one karen or something like that. It's like some sort of reference to. That's what I was actually about. The word is karen, not 
Yeah, right. So Mach Rim means with horns, and Rashi says playing playing Shana means like two of them, like normal ones have two. So you just say Mach Rim bearing horns, you think we're bearing horn bearing, you think it's a two. But since it has one letter less, so it means it's like one horn. Okay, so therefore it's saying that the Shor, what's it even talking about? I've been talking about the feel of David will be greater to Hashem than this Shor par with horns. Right? Who's even talking about the Marishim? Okay, so let's see. Right, it's like not clear altogether. The tefillah so. of David is greater than that part, the Vashor of the bottom. Right, and the Shor the other Marishim. Talking about the Shor, that's what she says. It's this the discussing is the Shor of Adam Harishon had corns and hoofs, and it's saying David and Elstfila was greater than that, than the Parban, Shor, Par, whatever, horns and hoofs that, um, that Adam Harishon brought. But in describing the carbon that Adam Harishon brought, it uses, it leaves the word Mikaren, like one last yod, referencing that only one. Okay? Strange. Strange. It gets a little further. It says, I'm sorry. Okay. It's, um, did I skip one second? No, it's good. Okay. So it's horns were before it's hoofs. Okay, its horns were before its hoofs. Okay, Shenemar v'titav l'Hashem mishor par is better than Hashem like a shor par. Makrin mafras, right with horns and with hoofs. Makrin beresha. First it says with horns, the other mafras, and then with the hoofs. Rashi, so it's talking about shorish. So it says karnakol parsos shakal shvarim all. Bulls, parsosayim noldos imam. Their hoofs are born with them. They're born with hoofs. The karnosayim gedeim lachazman. But their horns grow later. Right? So the hoofs precede the horns. Right? Usually. Usually. You imagine the labor wouldn't be too pleasant with the horns or whatever, right? The horns grow later. Abel shall my But the ones of my the shore of my sabrashas, bekomosan ibru was created full form, fully formed, like with carneum, with horns. Not as babies, they're like already fully but, Right. Vishyatsa min ha'arat, so when it came from the ground, it was like created from the ground. Rosho t'chila, its head, was created first. Nimtu shekadmo karnosa l'parsosa, so his horns came prior to his hoofs. Got it? Um, wait. I understand simultaneously that they would come simultaneously. Sounds like he's saying it emerged out of the ground. Oh. Emerged out of the ground in its head. Yeah. Oh, okay. Horns. And then hoofs, uh, you know, something like that. I guess the horn sticks up yeah. enough. Yeah, all right. Protrudes there. Okay. <laughs> Got it? So it says, and this... Um... This supports Rishuvan Levi. Dhamma Rishuvan Levi. Call my separations become Muslim Nivru. Vidaitam Nivru. Vitzavyonam Nivru. So it says all my separations was created like in its height, in its um, das, in its something else, Rashi. Shodiyam Shivarim Neosim. And it's Avyonam. The Mushabach will have. 
this is still strange, but it means Kamasam Nivru means Rashi. It says, So it sounds like it means they're created in their full form, Kamasam, and like in their height. So therefore, its horns were created um, were first because it was created with it and it came out. What does it mean, Shar Par? Now it's just saying, What's Shar Par? The day that it was a Shar, namely it was a baby. It was as big as a older older guy, right? Shor ben Yom Shar. One day old is called a Shar. Har came on ben Shalosh. is three years old, right? So what's saying here is this shows you this supports the idea that the, the things in Yisubrishis were created like in their full form. I think that's what it means. Become muscles. So it's it's time-wise, it was only a baby's time, but like, right, exactly. Right. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like it was created, on, it was created fully developed. So therefore, it was like a sharp and it was like a park. Technically, its age was one day old, but its form was that of a three-year-old, with horns and everything. And is this the, the uh, thing that's supposed to have a requirement of being only a uh, whatever the young? It's the word for youngster, the young, young one. The sharp. It's only supposed to be a sharp. It is a shark because it's one day old. No, I'm saying like, like logically though, like the requirement is it's supposed to be a shark. Oh, so, I don't know. Is that, is this is just like that though, about what um you know what Adam Rishon brought. So I don't. Is there was there any halachas though for that kind of like that no. regard? Like is that no, no, that's no, not no. a thing that we do today? That whatever that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So you're saying this shark is better than a shark nowadays, um, or just no like ours non first creation? What's that? You're saying uh, this whole. Uh, being is better than later. Well, it, no, it's like something. It's some super super special type of uh, cow, or whatever. More so than normal bull, I guess so. And or this one, and I'm a, and Dalmas Philo is even greater than this. Just two, I think so. Yeah, and it says so again. This was created fully formed. That's become awesome. Uvidaitam nevru with their knowledge, it was they were created. Rashi says that Hashem told them that they was going to create them, and they were satisfied. Okay, so before before Hashem created the animals, He consulted with them, and they said, "Sure, I'll take that." Mm-hmm. And the Tzivionam and got to choose the form which they wanted. Who's they? Who's this they? The animals. But the animals got to choose. Right, they were informed and they liked it, and they got to choose. Right. They liked it, or they got to choose. And both. I mean, both. The daitam means He told them about it, and they also they were like pleasant or satisfied. And then what's this they chose? And what is this they what what form are they in when they're being told this? I don't know. Some sort of uh, pre uh just that's just I don't know. like plutonium yeah. forms. Strange, right? I can see a muscle in it, but... you can. <laughs> yeah. Or it's a tequila thing. Yeah. Okay, so that's um that is basically the Gemara. A lot of different parts here, right? A lot of different parts. So let me just get to Helam, Lamed Bez. I'm sorry, Samach Tas, I'll read from Lamed Aleph. It says, David Melech saying, um, I'll praise the name of Hashem with a song. I got Leonard Besoda, and I'll magnify him with a Thanksgiving offering. And will appeal to the Lord more than a young bull that is mature, with horns and hooves. Right, so saying David's saying he's going to praise Hashem, and it's going to be good before Hashem more than this, you know, young bull that's mature. 
and that's what I think they say. It means the shah that Adam Rishon brought. So it was created fully formed, and it was like the shah in the park. Right, and it was, that's why its horns came before its hoofs. Okay. So, question is, I guess, what do we do with the Gemara? Strange. The whole thing is a strange thing, right? What is that different element saying is that the shore was created with one horn on its forehead. It was created um, fully formed. So that it was it was one year, one day old, but yet it was like the size of a three year old, right? And other merchant brought us a carbon. It's hoofs, horns before its hoofs. Right, I guess he could um, he asked the advice or something, or they to choose what they wanted to be or something like that. And and I guess Dabba Mouse Tfila is better than this. Right? Right. Yeah. Um yeah. Okay, so so I guess it depends. The question is well, it's it's like overwhelming it's like a bunch of elements. It's the whole thing. It's hard to understand, like on any level, right? Who needs all this? Uh, it's strange. Ashi and Radak both learned that it's not talking about like Toda. Dovinel may bring Kavan Toda, but it's saying his song right. before Hashem will be greater than this animal that other nation brought. The Gemara in the book gives a little more context. It says the day that other nation was created, when the sun set, he said, "Oh, because I I sinned." The world is getting dark because of me, and now it's going to go to Tovo. The world is going to be brought back to emptiness. And this Misa, which is uh, uh, punished on me from Shemayim, right? So he started sitting in Tainus and, and fasting and crying all night long. And Chava was also crying. Once dawn came, he said, Ah, oh, it's just a minigolem, it's just the way of the world. Right? It wasn't really a punishment or all that. So then he got up and he brought a shar. Then he brought this karma. And it tells you all the different things, same things about the karma. Right? Right? Let's see if Rosh is saying anything right around that. Yeah, he says, Rosh is saying his Tfilo is greater than that. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a little bit of the background. He's bringing it. He thought that this bad stuff was happening because of Zavera. So he was seeking out Kapara. Right? Um, I'm sorry, no, no. He thought of Zavera, and therefore he was crying and fasting. And then when he saw that it wasn't really, and still, he saw it. Kapara. It's funny. Like when you say, once he realizes Menagolim, then you don't need to bring Garba. But was he necessarily actually Kapara? Was it just more like a? Even though I'm resigning and I already accepted this is my fate, this is sort of my kind of like a morning song. Of, yeah, not clear. Not clear why he's bringing. It. And is Dovin? What is Dovin? Dovin or Stabilin or whatever his year for? What's it, what it's about? To ask him. Well, sing, sing to him. Uh, Hold on, let's see if I can. Well, saying it like he's talking to Hashem to save him from his enemies, and I guess saying when he does so, 
And um, he'll praise Hashem with the song, and that song will be greater than this Sharapar. He's like specifically enjoying Okay, so let me let me just build on what you guys are saying. So he's saying, Oh, thought that he was, yeah, he thought it was still the sun setting. He thought it was a punishment. So it means what did it do? It caused him to acknowledge his sin. And the fact that there should be a, the, the consequence for his sin is justice. There should be a consequence for his sin. And he figured the whole world is going to be gone. And he was willing to accept that. Right? <clears throat> Then he sees, ah, oh, not sure. It was a mistake. It's just the way of the world. The is that there's cycles of life and the sun and right. And God's not destroying the world. But one second, I thought he was destroying the world because I sinned. Well, did I sin? So a person might say, ah, see that? No guilt anymore. You know, sometimes a person guilty when he thinks he can get caught. But all of a sudden, when they realize they're not caught, they say, oh, they feel bad. Yeah, feel bad anymore. Because the guilt is because of fear of punishment, not because of an intrinsic recognition that you really did something wrong. So right. maybe other Rishon noticed that tendency. And he didn't, yeah, it's not really feeling guilty. It's just like afraid of the punishment. But maybe he didn't want that to happen. He didn't want to just walk away from this and not to learn his lesson. But he realized he was right that he was deserving of punishment and that he sinned. He just thought that God was going to destroy him. And he realized, no. God's not going to show him, he's going to let him give him another chance. But that other chance, he has to be worthy of that other chance. Because he's not going to deny the fact that he was sinful. So he's going to bring a carbon, which is going to recognize everything's from Hashem and recognize Hashem's chasad, which enables him to continue to exist. So it's like he wants to engage in a sacrificing Hashem in order to ultimately not take the credit for his own existence to himself, but recognize, no, right. my existence is not due to myself. On the contrary, I'm sinful. The justice is that I'd be killed, and it's Rachman that Hashem is accepting my carbon or is accepting my existence and allowing me to have another chance. So right. let's step up to the plate and, and do that and offer a carbon. Right? Right. Okay. So I don't know. I guess I'm saying it's kapara. It's a lot of above. It's like a kapara for his sin, but, but it's, see, there is a type of Adan implicit in it that he's acknowledging the fact that Hashem's allowing him to exist. Assuming he's going to get Kavara. He's not taking it for granted that he's going to be allowed to exist just because God does not sing his justice. He, he didn't say, oh, I thought it was just, turns out no justice. No, there is justice, but there is Rachman. Well, Rachman has to be to give me another chance to be able to rectify my ways. Well, then I better get moving. I better, I don't want to take it for granted and just feel like I don't have to do anything because God just doesn't have any, no such thing as justice. He didn't think that. He knows God commanded him and he realizes there's is justice. Why shouldn't there be justice? Right? Okay, so now he's bringing an animal. Now the animal he's bringing, and here's where it starts to get weird, was a one-horned, newborn, mature ball. Right. Let's make two, two methodology points. And again, this is in my opinions. Okay? So there's, the Rashba does not learn this. So I'm just saying this is from my experience and it works for me. And, you know, I don't even know if it works out great in this case, but I'm just, you know, the way I like to think about these types of things. So first of all, I'll start with the second point first. Second of all, second of all, I like to, in general, approaching an area to, like, take baby steps. Okay. This is, it could be in Gemara or it could be in uh, Gadda, in anything. 
okay? Which means to take small, as grounded as possible steps as you could. You know, one step at a time. You try to get that step good and clear. And as best as you could. I mean, sometimes you jump around a little bit. But there's like a te- there's like a tendency or a desire to have like a fully worked out theory, you know. But I don't think that's quite the way things work. Like you, you, then it's like the whole theory is as good as what popped into your head at the beginning, as opposed to if you take like one step and try to make it solid, and then you build from that step, and then you build from that step, and you build, you know. So it's like maybe at the end of the day you want to have a theory that explains everything, but I just feel like there's a the seder, if you will, to develop thoughts in like like you're building a tower. Like you can't build the whole tower in one, like, you know, in one shot. You build you've got the foundation, and then you build something, you build on top of that, you build on top of that, and it supports itself, and it's all rooted in your know, foundations which you lay. And if your foundations are strong, then it gives support to the other parts. So again, that's for me. That's why I like to try to find some entry point. See if you can get an idea, take a small step, let it appreciate it, think about the different facets, then look at another part. And not, not necessarily the order, I'm not necessarily certain certain parts are harder to you know explain than the others. So and that's one point. The other point I would say is what I like to do in these types of things is to try to take them as literal as possible. No, I don't think most of these things you can't take 100% literally. But at least to like, like, like uh, at least to like kind of work with the story. Like we're talking about Adam Rishon when he sinned and he has a kapachet and what's the mindset that he's going to be in when he has that spain and when he thinks the world is destroyed and whatever. So that's like a reasonable type of story, you know? And I like try to, you know, to stick with it. You know, certain times things could be somewhat metaphorical but as best as possible to to hug the facts as closely as possible and the reason why I like to do that again this is my preferences but like I just feel like when you when you get into the realm of like metaphors and you know this and again the Rashba does these metaphors it's it's hard for me to you know so I'm not which is what I feel when I do it. It's like, I feel like you open up a realm of associations and any, like, you know, you just let your mind go. And if you're a good creative and good associations, like you say anything, you know? So it's like, I don't know. I just feel like it's like, it's almost like, I feel for me, I'm like too creative to just let that happen. Just, you can say anything, you know, and you could um, go close your eyes for five minutes, then open up again and start again. And you just go on a different train of associations or, you know, and like, it becomes like I feel like very, yeah, unhinged, ungrounded, right? Exactly, and it's just like, um, which is related to the other the other point, you know. Like I like to see it to try to, as best as possible, to have like a linear path from beginning to end, which is as grounded, almost as rooted as possible, as if you can almost prove each step. Which again, that's obviously fantasy; it doesn't quite happen that way. But like as best as possible to like kind of ground it, and I feel like once once to me again I see uh, there are definitely people who like get metaphorical. I know Rabbi Bernal does it a lot, and I see here the Rosh was doing it. I don't know. Just to me, it just feels like somewhat like free association, all of that. 
like a bunch of this, I could be this, I could be that, you know. And again, I'm not saying there aren't great people greater than me who do it, but uh, just the way I feel about it, you know. So, like again, I'd like to. So, I'd like to either in that case is either take those people who are greater than me and see what they do and try to learn the ideas which they're pointing to. At least I know maybe they're associated. I don't know, but I know they're good ideas because I know the Rashba is saying good ideas. So. Even if to me it looks like he's associating and whatever, I don't know. I don't know how he got there, but at least I, I, I'm rooted in the Rashba and the ideas are solid. But just to let myself start, you know, whatever, just like kind of an, a very nonlinear path, like who knows where I'm going to end up, you know? And almost, it's almost like I end up with putting in whatever I put in. So it's like I just bring the ideas that I brought to the table and then just saying them. You know, it's like are these ideas in this Gemara, or is it just ideas that I knew previously and I'm just kind of putting them into, you know, as opposed to, I feel like if you kind of use the Chazal to direct your thoughts, you're, you're more of learn something to putting something in. You know? So again, totally my, my opinion and what I like to do, you know, everyone has different ways of like that, but that's, you know, I found some success in that type of approach. So with that in mind, the I have no clue about the unicorn. Okay, so to me, whatever. I'll get to that. I'll get to that more. But talking about like, let's say, it's saying is the other Mauritian was, was uh, these animals were created. So again, I don't know if it necessarily means we have to take literally historically that Hashem made like animals around. You know, you know, but. To me, it's reasonable that there's like a Bria, and there's like, in a certain sense, like Adam Rishon is, is like the first man. And the first man was like, like he was like very good looking, he was strong. He was like, in terms of you imagine Hashem's making like a first man, whether he was the first man or he evolved from some previous existence, whatever. He's, He's like the model. Yeah, exactly. He's like the model. However, God's working it out, maybe through genetic uh, arrangement of the genes to be able to do mutations or whatever. But like he is the first man. He's going to be perfected. He lived for 930 years or however many. So, right? He's going to be, he's like the model from which all other men descend. And therefore, there's going to be like a perfection right. uh, in Adam the perfect specimen. He's like the heading of the species of man and everyone else descends from him. Right? So I think the same thing by like these animals. Like Hashem made like them fully formed and like young and mature and you know it's like almost like the model Shar. It was young, it was strong, it was had the maturity. You know, in a certain sense, there's something in people also. There's something, something great about an old animal person because they're strong. On the other hand, they're older and they have less potential. They're already starting to weaken. They're already you know on their way down. Youth, there's like a vigor of youth and a freshness of youth, but they're not fully developed. But in a certain sense, this original Shar Par, if you was like, it was made like it was young and the, like the, the, you know, the greatness of youth, but at the same time was strong and didn't have the normally, you know, like so normally there's like there's this trade off, if you will, between the youth is like, you know, Weaker, but at the same time with more energy or something like that. So it was like the best of both worlds. It was young and strong, like a shard and like a part, like a combo of the best. Which again, what I'm saying is like, if you take this intuition that he's making like the first representations of each species to be like the best. 
So does it mean every single show is like that? No, I don't know. I'm saying it's not. There's like the heading of the category, the super dude, the uber shark bar, you know? The yeah, the archetypical, right, which has the all the perfections of a shah and a bar. And uh, so then maybe there are other ones. Which one like that, you know? And what happened to that char? What's the history, the ultimate fate of that char? Bar? He was slaughtered. Right? Slaughtered and went extinct or whatever, yeah. So, is that a waste? Would you say that's a waste of the perfect specimen? Not a perfect purpose. What's its purpose? Its purpose was to be the carbon. Ah, right. So it's not just being killed murdered he was being used as a vehicle of kapara for other marishan right for other marishan to elevate to right? to appreciate that everything comes from Baruch Hu, even the greatest specimens the whole world was given to other marishan and he might have felt full of himself as being the king of the world right but no he took the best specimens and offered them Hashem, recognizing ultimately everything is from Hashem. My ability to continue to exist is going to be based upon my ability to recognize that fact. I messed up the first time, and I try to be like God and like try to eat from the fruit of the and the you know, like the Nafar said. It was like a certain ego trip or an attempt at kind of dominion or power. He said, now I realize I have to recognize everything is from Hashem. And I'm going to take even the greatest of the specimen, greatest possible animal, the original, perfect, archetypical Sharapar, and I'm going to take that, I'm going to offer that Lashem. And I realize that ultimately my idea of ownership and the perfection of my handiwork and all that is ultimately vanity, and ultimately everything is Hashem. And what better way for that first Sharapar to go down in a certain sense, and as I'll say, like, or as Ram says, like the man is like, it's the pinnacle of the creation, and the other things are created to serve man. Well, again, at least on Earth, and the Ram says, man is like the, the, the highest objective of, this, uh, you know, Earth, planet Earth, not necessarily the whole creation or whatever, but at least on Earth. You know, like man is like the pinnacle, like Yamashishi, it culminated with Adam. So all the other things, in a certain sense, are there to allow man to thrive. What, 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 what does it mean to thrive? To plow with? Yeah, I guess. To eat meat? I guess. But ultimately, the highest objective of man is to serve God. Put him in his place to bring a cup of carbon. So is that a is that a, a loss? And that's what every carbon is like that. Is a carbon a loss? You might call it a loss. I have to blow my thousand dollar shark. But that's not a loss on a gun shark. That's a gain. It's a loss in a purely financial sense, but it's a gain in the philosophical sense. So it's like in a certain sense, the the the, the what a perfect way for the paradigmatic shark to find the reach its end. Conversion of energy. Yeah, right. A conversion of it from being like the physical energy and the strength and all the whatever malacha that it could do, or you know. And on the contrary, realize that that stuff is all fleeting. Ultimately, what matters is your ability to sublimate your physical and to serve a and to recognize that. So it's like the first char and it's like the first carbon. And it expresses the idea of, of for eternity of the archetype of what a carbon is. The archetypical shah is being used as the function of the shah, which is to recognize the archetypical carbon. Right? I'd like to understand is what's the sense, in theory, it would be nice if you could somehow show what's almost like the archetypical shah par has like one horn. 
but the other ones had two horns or something like that. But I don't know. I don't know enough about horns. And to me, like, I looked into it a little bit. So I'm Googling around a little bit. But, like, it seems like a good idea to have two horns. It's like, you know, you protect yourself from this side and that side. Like, what's is there some <coughs> idea that there's, like, a perfection of horns is to have one horn on your forehead? And therefore, like, the ultimate paradigm had only one horn. And now it's like, you know, I don't know. It just seems like totally right. Like, there's a reason. My point is, look, there's a reason why sharks have two horns. You know, and there's no, there are no unicorns. And I guess it's not functional to have unicorns. What's the point of a unicorn? And what's the point of having one horn on a cow? Is that or what is that? And, right, I don't know. Do any animals have one horn? They all have the antlers or this or that. I mean, they always seem to have two of them. So it seems like... Oh, Ryan, I know. So that's a question. So it's like, I don't know. Me, it's just like, it just sounds like out of like some fantasy book, like this, you know, unicorn. I don't even know where the whole unicorn thing comes from, whatever. But from this, maybe, I don't know. It's just like, what's the, that's what I like to be able to work out. I mean, I, li- I know what that's what I like. I like the idea to look like. I say, oh, the ultimate char, that's what it is. And that's one horn. But, blah, 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 two horns, you know? I don't know. Okay, so, so the guys are taking one step here. I think it's still, you know, demands further, but I like the approach. The approach they're saying is that char for malacha has two, two horns. Functionally, it helps it dig, it helps it fight, it helps it whatever. That's on both sides of its head. There's like a symmetry in certain terms. But this shore, for this first specimen, the shore was not for Malacha. It was for Avoda, uh, So it has like the quality of horn, but it's not really perfected in terms of that because it's, it wasn't meant for. This is in certain sense, maybe points out the relation to the fact yeah. that it's not really there for that purpose. There's a higher purpose and it's imperfect in the physical, but it's, that's its higher purpose. It's just like, you know, you could have said, take the one which is the most perfect physical specimen in terms of Malacha and then sacrifice that. No, but like, it really makes... So the other thing reminds me of, I think the Ramam says in Marmukham somewhere, I didn't look for it now, but like the highest service of God is like through the mind. Like he says, the highest service of God is through ideas. And then even maybe like a lower is like Tefillah and then even lower is Kavanas. Like, the more rooted in the physical something is, the more distant it is from God. But we were originally steeped in, a, in idolatry and, and, and worship of animals mm-hmm. and all that. And therefore we brought, a, you know, it's funny because Adam Rishon was the first man or whatever. We'll deal with that in a second. But like that's like a more physical form of service. But then like tefillah is like, it's not an animal and it's not a sacrifice, but it's still like, I guess, related like hooked in your emotions and deal with your needs and all that and then like Talmud Torah just pure abstract contemplation is just purely in the world of God yeah so he's saying it's like um and like that's what he said he said I think Ram says like to tell a person of those times to say that you're going to serve God without a carbon without a sacrifice it would be like telling a person now to serve God without prayer so it's like yeah (laughs) right so it's like that was the way they were at so it could be saying is that that I'm going to be thankful to Gosh Baruch Hu, and but my uh, maybe I'm not going to be able to bring a carbon. Maybe I don't know why he wasn't going to bring a carbon. Maybe he would, but he's saying it's like the highest is expressing the fact that, in a certain sense, the the, the recognition he could have through his Shirata Gosh Baruch Hu is higher than even the highest carbon. Yeah. It's like a more sublime form of service of God. So, in general. Maybe people are rooted in their physical, and other Mauritians are rooted in his physical, and he sinned, and therefore there is a time and place for serving God through your physical and through offering him up 
your physical shore and your money and your, you know, the concrete physical world. And there is part of the service of God is through that. But there's an even higher level where a person's at a more abstract level. And they're simply pondering the world of God Baruch Hu, singing his praises. And don't think that that's less because there's no blood and no physical action and all that. The Torah does, there's a place for karbonos, but their highest, doesn't it say like, it says like, it's like greater, like Hashem wants a person to listen more than animals and like, you know, like, um, you know, following his word. He doesn't need your karbanos. He just wants you to lay your, break your heart and serve him and whatever. So like, there's a higher level of service. And it's not just greater than a mediocre carbon. It's greater than the paradigm of carbon. Adam Arishan brought the spe- perfect specimen, the archetypical char, bar, whatever. And he brought that, and that was great. And he set up the paradigm of what carbonos could be and the whole model of what carbonos could be. But don't think that is the pinnacle of Avodos Hashem. On the contrary, the other mouth is saying, my tefillah, I'm going to bring a carbon, but I think it's going to sing song, and that song is going to be greater than even the greatest of carbonos. Yeah. Something like that. If he's in a time of Tzaros, and he's running his enemies and all that, and he's saying, it's Hashem, if you help me, oftentimes a person is in, uh, you know, no atheist in the final, like a person is in, in Tzaros, and he prepares out Hashem. But then when he's successful, ah, uh, who needs God anymore, right? So he's saying, is now on the contrary. If you save me, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to attribute it to myself. I'm going to recognize that my success is from God's brother. Just like other Mishnah, when he didn't end up dying, he didn't say, oh, I didn't sin. I don't need God on the contrary. He realized he should have deserved that. He should have been punished. He didn't feel like he really deserved it. And he used it to turn to God's brother. So to Dovel, saying is, if I'm, if I'm saved, I'm not going to say, oh, Apparently I'm a tzaddik, apparently I'm strong, apparently I'm intelligent, apparently I'm whatever. No, apparently Akash Baruch Hu as well is that I could be alive and I'm going to recognize that, I'm going to sing songs to you. So it's like a model of learning from Adam but it's like a model of how a great person relates to his success and is continuing to the continuance of being alive. Right. Yeah. He's anticipating his mind. Exactly. It's similar we said this once about like Yaakov, you know, when he daven, that if Hashem saves me, then he made a nether that he's going to bring a carbon right. and all that. Because again, oftentimes when we are, end up being successful, our yeah. mindset changes and we're no longer thankful anymore. So you like lock it in before it happens. I can really relate to this right now. Uh, so I just want to make one more point, which is uh, I hope it, I'm coming across what I mean by I'm trying to take it yeah, literally you. or as literal as possible. Like it's not 100% literal. I'm not saying necessarily. At some point, you have to make yeah. the metaphor. Leave yeah, you want right. to delay that. Yeah, right. and I'm not saying it necessarily emerged out of the ground or whatever, but I'm like saying it's talking about the original shard which was created, and talking about that it's like a perfection of the specimen, and like you know, like so it's like kind of working with what's happening in the events of the story with giving like a little bit of uh, liberties in it, but still like rooted as best as close as possible, you know. So again, I don't know if I'm fully successful in it all the time, but that's like the approach I try to do now. If you want to see contrast, I'm not going to do this, but you could look at the Rashba in the book called Hidushe Pirush Agadas. He explains this. He knows a lot of Agadas in a lot of different ways. Uh, It's interesting to try to learn from. But he takes it very metaphorically. He has like, I don't know, the shore and the the horn and the forehead represents like a unity of Avoda. (laughs) And he has like four different ideas of what the horn could represent. And it reflects this and it reflects that and another thing and another thing. And you think 
He doesn't even learn it's actual carbon. It's like, it's talking about tshuva. It's like a whole, it's hard to decode exactly what he's saying, but he has like a lot of different ideas, which he's saying it's totally like a muscle for basically his tshuva, I think. I think he's saying that. It's like a muscle for his tshuva and the various, like, yeah, like a unification of his diverse parts of his personality, which are becoming unified. And that's like what a single one represents, like in the center. And there's like a centrality to that. And, you know, the par is like a great offering and it's the highest level offering and man's highest offering to Kashbarah is tshuva and, and, you know, like things like that. I don't think like, that was know. great as all that. That's yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if he took up the other part. But what I'm saying is like, it's a totally different approach which is like kind of just letting, again, I don't know how he got there, but it's the way I see it is like just kind of associating to like different ideas about how, what this could represent and what this could represent. And, you know, but again, to me, you know, I'm not comfortable doing that myself. I'm happy to learn the Rashba and see the ideas and they're good ideas, good ideas. I like, you know, all the ideas are solid and you can learn through it and I learn the different ideas, but it's hard for me to learn the methodology of doing it because to me, I just feel it's like, too speculative. I'm, sorry, I'm not saying it's too speculative for him to do, but too speculative for me to do. I just feel like it, it just opens up the doors to, you know, to saying anything almost, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Too. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm saying it's like this methodology in general. I think in Gemara and learning a sugi also, a person could very quickly jump to big ideas, universal ideas, unifying ideas, cracking all sugi, yeah, and this explains that, and explains this, and explains that, and explains this, and that, and that, and all these different things. It reminds me of this and that, you know? It's like a way of broad-minding, big strokes, fitting everything in. And to me, that type of thinking is often ungrounded, speculative, you know. You could end up saying a lot of things. And that's the way I think we were... I think that's kind of how we're trained, though. You focus in Shiva is learning Gemara steps, small steps, trying to see what could you say, what do you have to say, what are the... Have like a linear path to get to an idea. And I feel like, especially, you said it well, is when you get to areas like philosophy, there's more, you get more wild. You know, like in a sugi, you're grounded by the facts and the rigors of the system. When you get to philosophy, you're often, could be totally, you know, anything. So it's like, it's the rigors of halacha thinking, I think, is good training for, you know, for areas which are, could be more speculative, more philosophical, more, you know? So, yeah, it's right. It's really like taking in a certain sense of methodology from Gemara and, you know, yeah. Again, and I don't want to imply that, like, I think the way I'm doing it, there's, like, a unique, singular, definitive path that, like, you do this way, then you're not going to speculate at all, and you're just going to have a strict line, you know. But still, I think there's different, there's, like, wide open, and there's, like, more grounded. I just feel like it's more it's still room for steps and creativity and it doesn't follow in like a muhach hundred percent way. But I just feel like as and then as far as, as far as also. I, mean, I just always think the more grounded, it's like the more you're hugging the facts and letting the facts and the questions and the subtleties point your direction as opposed to just let letting yourself go. You know? So, you know, that just Again, I'm sharing what works for me. So, uh, you know, I'm sure other people are the Rosh, but it doesn't sound, sometimes it does that type of thing. It doesn't seem like he did that in this piece. So obviously, who might say the Rosh was not, you know, obviously it's, 
Yeah. Well, maybe like and look, and I don't know how the Rashba got to his steps. I don't, you know, this is like you can't necessarily judge a finished product or the process from the finished product. But you know, maybe I, I'm not claiming the Rashba's doing what I did ended up that way. I mean, maybe, but I, I'm not. I'm not saying that this is the only successful way. I'm just saying it works for me. You know, I, I could argue for it and why I think it's a good methodology, but uh, I know better than to just say this is the way. And there's a lot of different ways of learning. A lot of ways of getting it. Like, an idea. The question is, like, sometimes do you reference in this methodology, do you, like, associate to other things which seem related and bring them in to... So, like, I, I, I'm hesitant in general to do that, although I'm, I'm probably guilty of doing it sometimes. Also, we did know. it a little while ago with Young uh, Kipper. Uh, but my point is, is, like, see, sometimes is like, the problem with associations is that you could have an area which you don't really understand here. And then you associate to another area you don't understand. And then you just link them together because there's some superficial linkage. And then you try to build a theory out of two things you don't understand, you know? And all you know is that they have some superficial linkage and you're making a theory. You're just like creating more uncertainty and building a theory off of what they sound the same. And maybe they sound the same and maybe they are the same or maybe they're different. But how are you ever going to know that if you understand this and you don't understand that? What if you do understand that? So then it's maybe better. See, like, if you have that and you understand it because you analyze it and you have a solid idea about it and you remember it, and, like, it's, you know, then, even so, it's just because it sounds the same doesn't mean it is the same. There are things which look the same and sound the same, but they're different. So, you know, like, that's why I feel like associative type of thinking sometimes could get you lost in, you know, things that look the same and not and aren't. So that's why I, I'd rather, again, I'm not saying I never do it, and sometimes there's good analogy and there's things, you know, you could use, Reason by analogy, bring another thing just to help bring to mind a certain type of a construct, and there's time place for that. But it's just more again, it's more loose when you do that type of a thing, and that's why I, I think the most solid way to make steps, if possible, is through the facts at hand, the question, letting the questions guide you towards answers, seeing the deductions in the language which is used in the questions and. It's presenting it this way, but logically it should have been this way. It must be that indicates that we're thinking about it wrong. Because if we were thinking about it right, we would have, it should have said this, and it shouldn't have said that. And like, and those like solid types of reasons where you're letting the questions and the facts and the presentation talk to you, as opposed to just you know opening up and letting yourself go into other things, which again may or may not be connected. Again, a lot. Our mind is very associative. And like, you know, it works for dreams and all that, but it doesn't necessarily mean it, it results produces good theories, you know? So like, I don't, you know, there's like associations are sometimes just that. Associations, they're not necessarily, you know, good predictors of whatever. You know, if you see a stock, a stock chart, you see it going whatever, you say, hey, that reminds you of that stock and that one like that. And, you know, I don't think you can be right. Even the same one, say past performance is like Yeah, right. So I'm just saying, like, I don't think that type of thinking is going to associations isn't going to be a good method in stocks unless you're an expert and like i don't know if you have a good trading intuition you develop your own trade of thinking you'll, you could recognize a chart and oh that worked you know but that's that's like a high level type of thinking you know i wouldn't think that's a good idea for someone who doesn't who doesn't is an adept in doing it or whatever so that's like an example like you know you want to trade based you know but in general the more grounded your analysis is and less Associative and free thinking, it is. I think it's more like more approachable derech from what yeah, guess. yeah, more approachable derech. It's easier to pick up on, to learn, to perfect. So you know, and the more rigid your thinking is, then I think you could 
know the boundaries of when it's comfortable when you're a legitimate branching out of speculation i feel you want to get good at solid rigid concrete thinking and then sometimes you kind of i don't know maybe start experimenting with getting a little bit you know more loose and but you know like i feel like the more rigid you are like in trading i don't know the more rigid you are in being able to understand the chart you might be able to be more i don't know broad broad thinking and know not to know within limits to be able to keep uh, boundaries on you know something like that i'm talking in generalities uh, uh, um, yeah. semi-clear but you know i would, I would be, if you got a chance to look at the rush but it's interesting yeah. you know because it's like it's different 